Happy Brews Day Tuesday, everybody. My name is Caroline King, and you're listening to Bitch Beer. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome back. It's a new year. We have a new president. All is looking good. (laughs) I mean, we are still in a global pandemic, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Um, I did take a little longer of a break than I wanted to. Thank you, everybody, for coming back. Um, I unfortunately got COVID. Uh, My symptoms were very mild. Uh, I'm so grateful for that. Thank you to everybody who reached out to me and sent me really sweet messages. Um, I mean, all I'll say about it is the worst, worst part of of having COVID was waiting for everyone that I had come into contact with test results to come back. Of course, the moment I found out I had COVID, I quarantined, but still, you know, for five days prior, uh, I was contagious. So luckily everyone I was in contact with came back negative. I didn't pass it to anybody, but again, um, I thought I was so careful. I wear my mask all the time. I have hand sanitizer all over the place. Uh, I mean, I really just don't go out very often. And if I do, it's only with people that I know who are quarantining, but I still caught it. So it's out there. Um, We don't want to pass it to anybody else. So luckily there's a vaccine on the horizon. I will be lining up first in line. Actually, no, I I think I'm probably going to be like a... 800th in line because I'm not an essential worker or important to the world at all. (laughs) I talk about beer. so. (laughs) Um, But anyways, uh, I do have a very exciting guest today. So I am talking with Katie Marisic today. She is the Director of Federal Affairs at the Brewers Association, and she is absolutely kick-ass. I mean, everything that she does, her background in politics and now working in the craft beer industry and merging the two is really impressive. I highly che- uh, I highly recommend checking out her uh, profile on the Brewers Association. But today we go into um, the new rollout of PPP, Paycheck Protection Program. And there is a lot of amazing and very helpful information for craft beer breweries, um, how it's important, how you can sign up for it. Um, There's a lot of information on the Small Business Association's website. Um, But yes, look into it. If you're a contract worker or anything, um, just just look into it. But today specifically, we talk about how um, it affects craft beer breweries and really how it's going to be able to keep our breweries going. So it's very interesting. There's a lot of information. So if you have to listen to it twice, I I don't blame you. I kind of have to listen to it again. And I was the one talking to her. (laughs) But uh, I hope you all enjoy. Cheers. So please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you do with the Brewers Association. Sure thing. So first, thank you very much for having me today. I appreciate it. I hope this will be a lot of fun. Um, my name is Katie Marisic. I am the Federal Affairs Director for the Brewers Association. So official. The, yes, so <laughs> official. Um, and I do admit sometimes I have to look up my, uh, wait, I think I said director. I do have to look up my title sometimes. I forget. <laughs> I mostly just say I'm the beer lobbyist. Uh, 
And it's a pretty fantastic job because I get to represent small and independent brewers in Washington, D.C. and advocate for them on uh, at the federal level on issues that impact our industry. And that covers a lot of stuff. I think a lot of people know about the craft beverage bill and the tax issues that we work on. Uh, but I also get to work closely with our supply chain partners in the manufacturing side. So canning and bottling, um, the hops and barley growers, all of these things are things that I get to get to learn about and get to work on. So it's a pretty fantastic job. And then I do things like help organize our our annual hill climbs, when we do that, our grassroots action. I get to work really closely with the state guilds. You said you work with the Georgia Guild, yeah. and they are great. They're awesome. Um, and fantastic beer in Georgia. Uh, it's so great. <laughs> I do like to brag on us. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, as you should, uh, at working with the state guilds is one of my favorite parts of my job, in addition to getting to work with our breweries so closely, because they're people who have the same kind of passion passion for the industry that I have, and there's there's a lot of us, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, really, like, everything that you do is so like behind the scenes, but also like so important because I don't think people realize how much the federal government is trying to prevent people from drinking alcohol. So <laughs> not as much as a hundred years ago, but <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but I, I mean, just your background alone, you have such an impressive background. If you could just kind of go into your background of uh, where, how you got started in politics and then how you made the transition from politics to craft beer. Yeah. No, I mean, I have always been a political junkie there. It's, it's kind of funny. My partner mentioned recently that this, uh, comedy troupe called the Capitol steps ended this year. And that was one of my first forays in to politics and learning about some of the things that are going on. Uh, and that was, you know, back in the Bush era. So it gives you a rough idea of how old I am. Um, <laughs> the, the first one with Dan Quayle. Um, but it's, it's always something that I was interested in. And uh, when I went to college, I really, I really thought I was going to be a lawyer or a judge. Um, but politics was still there in the foreground. I interned in Washington, D.C., and my first job out of college was working at, at a state level um, for lobbying and public affairs activities and realized that the industry I was working in wasn't exactly where I wanted to be at the time. So I was able to, to take a little bit of a break and travel, which was you know really, really an amazing privilege to be able to do. Amazing. But I remember the first thing that I did when I got back into the U.S. from traveling abroad, um, I, f I think I flew into San Francisco, and the first thing I got was a dark beer. That oh, was yeah. all I wanted, <laughs> just a dark beer. Um, and it was great. Uh, so my my family background, um, my parents, my dad worked at a university. My mom was a public school teacher, wow. uh, but my dad also was a volunteer on a board. So he brought us down to Washington, D.C. I got to lobby with him when I was younger or I guess lobby do grassroots hill climb days and things like that. Um, and he was also a really big, uh, a big fan of beer, which, you know, when you're like, 10 and he wants to stop at a brewery it's not super fun unless they have brew beer and a giant soft pretzel which is still something that i like all breweries to have oh my um, gosh every brewery needs to have a soft pretzel it's just yes. it's the best thing ever yeah um 
Yes, it definitely, definitely is. Um, but he was one of those people that was really enthusiastic, not just, uh, not just about drinking it, but also sharing it with other people. He always wanted to encourage people to try something new. And he got a lot of our neighbors, a lot of our family friends. And then as my sister and I both got older, a lot of our friends to, you know, try some different types of beer. And he passed away a 11 years ago, but I still get people who say to me that, you know, your dad is the one who like introduced me to this beer and it's, it's so great. So cool. Oh, I love that. It's great. Beer is, a, he, he was, he was amazing. Um, I'm very lucky. I had a great father, uh, and a, awesome. a very supportive mother too. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was a passion that kind of translated over, uh, and, when I moved to Washington, D.C., I was working for the credit unions and just, you know, a, a little bit of political doing political work, but also, you know, a little bit of lobbying work as well. And beer was always there. And one of my good friends that I worked with at that association, uh, they lived. she and her husband lived in the neighborhood and I'd go over and do brew days with him. Oh, cool. And we had That's a great awesome. time. And eventually he ended up starting his own brewery and I decided to get involved. Um, So I, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was definitely the right decision and very fun, but it also gave me the opportunity to see one, what it was like to start a brewing business, what went into it. Um, You learn a lot of little things that you don't necessarily think about, um, whether it's music licensing or in Washington, D.C., when the brewery started, you couldn't sell pints of beer. Uh, You could give away beer and the type of legislation that had to go along with that. And it, I was lucky enough to be able to translate um, my lobbying expertise and my passion for beer into the job with the Brewers Association. So I'm their first person doing federal lobbying in Washington, DC, and I believe my six year anniversary is coming up. So time, time flies. That's amazing. And I mean, just like learning about your background, because I told you before we started recording, like I totally stalked you all over the Brewers Association (laughs) website, because I mean, one of the things that I absolutely love about you is you have this impressive background in politics and in Washington and all over and especially starting your uh, starting the brewery. I mean, oh my goodness, being able to merge your two worlds in a way that is so helpful for other brewers and taking your experience and being able to offer that not only for the Brewers Association, but helping breweries everywhere. I mean, that is just such a badass thing to be able to do. I mean, huge mega flex to be like, yeah, I work in Washington. So watch this, guys. I'm going to get this changed for us. Um, I appreciate that, but <laughs> I will say, I think you'd probably be pretty good at it. You've got Ooh. that good personality. Ooh. So if you ever want to be a lobbyist, let me know. Oh I'm, my gosh. I'm sure people would be happy. Oh man. I don't know if Washington's ready, but I could, oh, that would be great. I actually may hit you up about that. Cause that would actually be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so as a lobbyist, cause I know it's, it's kind of a buzzword these de- days, you know, hearing about lobbyists and this, what, what exactly do you do as a lobbyist? Yeah, so it's um, it's one of those things that sometimes I think sounds more impressive than it actually is. The number one thing about lobbying is working to build relationships, and that's what I do, but not the way people think, especially probably not the way people think a beer lobbyist. 
would um, build those relationships. I have a lot of meetings. I have a lot of Zoom <laughs> calls, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails. Um, and it's it's a full association and member kind of thing. People care about the issues that I'm telling them about because they know people who are directly impacted by them and they've heard from people who are directly impacted by them. So, I mean, there's more than 8,400 breweries across the U.S. I think we are at one in every single congressional district right now. I need to double check on this one area of Manhattan where it might just be too expensive. That Um, checks out. (laughs) But but yeah, it's like... you talk to a member of Congress and they're like, oh, uh, my daughter's friend Susan started a brewery, a brew pub in our area. Or uh, we've heard from our hop growers about, you know, how the growth of the industry has been really good for hops in the U.S. And it's just being able to get the information from from the brewers, from, from the, you know, the farmers, and then put it into something that members of Congress and their staff care about. And a lot of that does translate into jobs. Are there jobs in my district because of this industry? But then you also have a lot of people who are just really passionate about beer. Um, when I started, though, I would say the most difficult uh, or difficult misconception that I saw was it was just like, your beer, what problems do you have? <laughs> like, everything's growing, everything's great. It's so, it's so easy. Um, and we spent a lot of time educating people about how breweries are small businesses and they go through the same things that small businesses go with um, a lot of taxes and regulation on top of that. Oh, so many. Oh gosh. That's, those are so many good things to bring up because yes, it is a small business. Cause if uh, you know, a lot of people, even when they start a brewery, they're like, Oh yeah, it's like printing money. And then you get started and you get your first bill from your grain manufacturer or whatever. And you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, (laughs) this is, this is difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Don't, I would say don't get into the industry to become a a billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Unless you've created some sort of like 3D printing brewing equipment, like let's just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's reel it in. Um, But I mean, there are, there's so many amazing breweries and this year, especially this was so challenging for, I mean, pretty much all businesses across the board, unless you work for zoom. But I, I mean, it's, like breweries, especially like neighborhood breweries, like unless you were, it was just so difficult because like tap room sales, people like rely on that and just having to adjust their business models. And now finally has like some sort of like relief aid for it. And that comes in the form of PPP. So um, talk to us a little bit about exactly what PPP is. Sure. Uh, So PPP is a program that was started by the federal government under the CARES Act, and that acronym stands for the Paycheck Protection Program. At the beginning of the pandemic, um, when Congress was sort of looking, I don't even, I don't, I don't know if I would even say long term, but at least over the span of the next three months, they wanted to do what they could to ensure that as many people as possible were getting paid by their jobs instead of getting paid by the government, which is difficult to do when you're dealing with uh, a virus that requires social distancing and a lot of a lot of restaurants and other businesses to shut down, especially at the beginning, like I said, when not everybody, I think, when not everyone had a good handle on 
whether you could be outside, whether reduced capacity worked, things like that. Um, so this was sort of, it, it's, I would say, a, a convoluted way of getting money into people's hands, right. um, but also ensuring that the businesses that were required to shut down could help meet some of their payments. Right. So it was one part of a huge bill. And what it did was provide for the people who applied and qualified for it. Um, 2.5 times their average monthly payroll, and they could spend, they had to spend a certain amount of that on paying and retaining their employees, Mm -hmm. and then they could use the other percentage of it to cover certain business expenses, and those change based off of which uh, they, now with the second part of the PPP, some of those things have changed. Um, And like any new program, it definitely had growing pains. Uh, Almost the moment it passed, there were already a lot of questions. The SBA, the Small Business Administration, um, they're an agency that does small business loans and works with small businesses across the country, but, and I, I don't have the exact numbers for this, but mm-hmm. they've done more in the past year than they have probably done in the past five years. Oh my goodness, of course, um, yes. So they were issuing guidance, putting out new information, and we were, you know, we were actively lobbying for a lot of issues. And at that point, it was probably a list that was 10 to 15 bullets long of stuff that we thought could potentially be helpful to the industry. And knowing that we probably weren't going to get every one, but that there were a lot of different different areas where help was needed and doing what we could to put our resources to try and get get that help for our members. And when this program came out, as I said, you know, it was supposed to essentially go from March until the end of June. And I think a lot of people expected that that would be enough time to cover people before stuff started up again. Mm -hmm. Um, And in some ways, it definitely did. 80% of breweries in the U.S. applied for these loans. Um, And it, I, I refer to it as a bridge. It was a good bridge to get past that time where you had to shut down, where when you were able to reopen, you were reopening at reduced capacity. And it got us to the summer months. Right. Things aren't perfect, but you know, in the summer, people who had access to outside seating um, were definitely able, to, definitely able to find a different way right. to help make up for some of that lost revenue. But the tasting room revenue, you know, I think when people think of breweries, uh, they can tend to think of sort of the larger scale regional breweries um, and people who package stuff that they see in the grocery store. And we were really trying to make sure that they understood that there's just thousands upon thousands of breweries that rely on those tasting room sales to make the majority of their revenue. Um, And that was something that we kept pushing for. So the PPP, the PPP um, was then extended. Uh, there was different guidance that came out trying to make it a little bit more flexible. Right. And now uh, with the most recent COVID relief package, which was in the broad end of year-end legislative package, um, they're allowing for continued first-draw PPP loans and then what they're calling second-draw PPP loans, which has certain criteria that if you meet, you can get a second round of loans. That's great. And, um, I, I, just the way that they, that, cause I mean, I can't blame people too much because obviously it like, nobody thought that it would be like an almost, we're coming upon a year of, of this happening. So mm-hmm. the actual relief that came out was, 
it, it was pretty quick to come out and people that knew about it were able to apply pretty quickly. And, mm-hmm. um, so in your position with the Brewers Association, so once you got word of that information, what was your strategy to make sure that breweries knew about this and knew that they could apply for it? Yeah. So both times, I mean, being able to you know interact with Congress was really, really helpful. Uh, but just pouring through the legislation and pulling out everything that we thought would impact our members, putting it into at least one location where they were able to go and learn about it, putting together FAQs. And then we also uh, worked with a law firm, McDermott, Will and Emery, because as an association, we aren't, we aren't, we can't give legal or business advice. Oh, okay, that's good to um, know. <laughs> but we want to make sure that the information we're giving to our members is as accurate as possible. So we've done webcasts with both of them. And then I think the second webcast, we had almost 55 questions left over at the end. So we went through, answered all those questions and put that information out there as well. And I realized with all the talk about the PPP, I do call them PPP loans. The good thing about them is if you meet the criteria of the loan, it gets forgiven, which means you don't have to pay the loan back. Now, there are different things. And if you do have to pay the loan back, it's a pretty low interest interest rate. But um, that's that's the positive thing. It's more of a grant. If, if you are able to use it the way that you're supposed to use it, it's more of a grant than a loan. And that's what people need. Right. They need access to capital, not another loan. Exactly. And that's where... Um, that's where it's been so helpful for so many organizations and businesses and breweries, um, just being able to have that extra cushion because even if they did have to pay it back, like the, I think the interest rate is something like 1.25% or something along those lines, it's like really that, low, yeah, which is incredible. Um, but still like the criteria is pretty straightforward to meet when I was like looking on their website. And, um, so what the new round of PPP, there is a, there's an extra part of it that is specifically about craft breweries, correct? So no, that is not completely correct. There okay. is an extra part of it for the hospitality industry. Okay, that's what um, it was. Okay, cool. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, so with the new PPP, uh, one of the things that we had advocated for last Congress, which we're in a new Congress now, was <laughs> a piece of, uh, yeah, right, was... Um, a piece of legislation called the Restaurants Act. Um, and the Restaurants Act specifically provided those grants that we were talking about to members of the hospitality industry. And we were able to work really closely with the people who introduced that bill, which is Representative Blumenauer from Oregon in the House, Wicker uh, from Mississippi and Cinema from uh, Arizona in the Senate, and explained to them how the brewing industry mirrored the restaurant industry in many ways in hospitality and get specific language for breweries in it. Unfortunately, though that was included in a broader package, that package ended up not passing. So when Congress was doing the COVID relief, they were trying to do something for the hospitality industry, and it was different committees working on it. So unfortunately, what we had worked out with one group didn't fully translate over to the other group. So now our members are kind of split out. Um, So for the second draw PPP loans, the difference is if you're under something called an NAICS code, an NAICS code 72, instead of the 2.5 times your average monthly payroll, you can apply for 3.5 times that. Some breweries qualify for that. Um, but we have been working really hard every day to uh, let Congress know that 
there needs to be some type of change to this. Wow. Whether it's retroactively done, um, they inadvertently left out a big section of the hospitality industry in breweries, but also wineries and distilleries who right. more likely fall under a different code. And they've been very receptive to it, but it's one of those, nothing can move, nothing moves as fast as you want it to at the beginning. But I think that we are at a point now where anything going forward, uh, we should we should be recognized in, but hopefully there will be something retroactive too. That is, and that's the, that's the big part of this too, is like being able to work on something that is retroactive because, Mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging that, you know, you didn't get what you were owed and we understand that this is a difficult time. So here, let's try to make it right. So you all can make it right with your employees. So we can Mm -hmm. just get back to even, I mean, it's just kind of like being on a canning line, you know, of course, using a beer a brewery, yeah. <laughs> a brewery analogy, but, you know, things just kind of pile up. If someone's not at the end of the canning line to make sure things are weighed before you put them on the, you know, package them right, then it's, you know, the cans will pile up or if something goes wrong with the equipment. So it's just kind of like being able to retroactively take care of that so we can just try to get back to normal as businesses and just in, in the industry as well. Um So I think that's really great information for everybody to know. And um, for this round of PPP, how much longer do they have to, um, do people have to apply for it? It's a short, a a short window for applying. It closes on March 31st. Wow. Okay, cool. That's very good to know. And then it opened on January 19th, I believe. Uh, Yes. Okay. Something like that. 15th or 19th. 15th or 19th. I think it was something like that. And, um, and so when so they have until march 31st so that is a pretty short window and um when they apply for ppp um you apply through the sba but you can apply through like uh, breweries can use like whatever business banking that they use as long as it's approved by the sba yes so a lender so a credit union a community bank a bank a large bank um there are different things that were set up though those are are past now where they opened up the lending process to smaller community lenders first to encourage more of that money to get out to the extra small businesses That's that great. needed it. Um, but on the SBA, if you don't currently have a lender that you have a loan with or an SBA loan with, the SBA does have on their website um, a lender match program. So if you just look that up, you're able to go and find find potential lenders in your area for these loans. Um, that's amazing. That's really great. And then the, cause the article that you wrote, it came out on um, December 21st is on the Brewers Association website. I'll go ahead and include a link in the show notes to it. How quickly did you get that information and then go ahead and just like write the article and publish it and try to get it out as quick as possible? <laughs> I, I will say this. I have nothing but respect for people who write for a living because I am a <laughs> terrible writer and I'm one of those people that will sit down and write one sentence and be like, I can't finish this article um, this is so good. This There's one, so much information. It's so great. This one was different. <laughs> this was one of those where during the month of December, I normally don't sleep anyway, because that's <laughs> when the most legislation happens in Washington, D.C. Wow. And we really want it. So craft beverage was huge for, for so many people, but we also knew what an impact this would have. So we wanted to make sure that we were providing them with all of the information that they needed. And I think 
One thing that is not directly related to PPP, but is under the SBA is there is also um, in both the CARES Act and the COVID-19 relief legislation, um, if you have an, an existing SBA loan, a 7A loan, not PPP, but a specific loan for your business, it actually covers principal and interest for a few months, um, wow. which is huge. That's really um, huge. Yeah. And the reason, sorry, I should probably also explain to you, the reason that the the time period for those loans ends when it does is because the way Congress was looking at it was as if they would be working on a next legislative package that would get passed before the end of March or around that time. That's great. It, and uh, based on what you talk about in your article and then what you're talking about now, it does seem like there's going to be like continued legislation and support for breweries and people in the industry. So that way they can really keep their head above water, you know, moving forward as we move into our new normal. Right. And I mean, that's definitely what we're advocating for. There is no question that, I mean, these were already the slow months for the industry. And when you lose your ability to pivot where maybe you can't have outdoor seating or maybe there will be other shutdowns, which I really hope is not the case, Gosh. especially as things move forward, right. um, this might not be an issue that ends <laughs> as immediately as we thought a year ago. But I think that, uh, like I said, when you talk to Congress, they're sympathetic about it. It's definitely whether or not they're going to be able to work together to get something accomplished. But that's what us that's what we are pushing for. That's, I mean, it's, I definitely see that. Like, I definitely see like, that's what you're pushing for. And I, I'm, I'm not laughing at what you're saying. Cause your look on your face. You're like, we're working on it. Like <laughs> it's just, it's so hard because the one thing that I read from our members that like breaks my heart the most is that I think a lot of people feel a alone out this out there on their own, trying to figure out all of these new things. And we're trying to make it provide them with as much information as possible to be helpful. But at, there were times when I just loved to like take someone's hand and help walk them through the process. But two things, one, I probably messed that up because I am <laughs> neither a lawyer or a tax accountant, but it, two, it, it's just, you don't want people to feel hopeless in this type of situation. So any way that we can be helpful, we are definitely trying to do it. I think that's amazing. And it makes me feel so great knowing that there's someone like you who is advocating for our breweries. And But not only do you have that background knowing how to navigate Washington and as a lobbyist, but um, you're one of us. You're you're also a brewer, like you also work in the beer industry. You have a craft beer brewery. And so like you really know the ins and outs of, of both sides of it. What what exactly is the Brewers Association for um, maybe an outsider or like a beer consumer or who, who's a brewery, but they aren't in the Brewers Association? Yeah. So um, we represent small and independent brewers uh, and I've, I've worked at a lot of associations in my professional career. There are definitely a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. Uh, the main goal overall of an association is to best represent your members and help their businesses thrive and survive. Um, the thing about lobbying work, which does have some association crossover work as well, is when I lobby on behalf of the industry, everybody benefits from that, right. whether you're a member of the association or not. So we... <laughs> We cover a lot of different things. Working with the state guilds is one that I have mentioned. Uh, we have a technical and supply chain uh, portion. We've got a marketing portion. We do the Great American Beer Festival. One of my favorites. Um, I love that. 
it really is so wonderful. <laughs> um, and then the Craft Brewers Conference. And we work on ways to ensure that we are helping our members with with the business aspect of things, but also helping to educate them as well. I think the one thing a lot of people don't know about that I really love about the association is our publishing arm that works to publish, you know, different books, which is a, it, almost everybody that I know that works in the brewing industry has, you know, wa- water, <laughs> uh, barley, hops, those books in their brewery. Yeah. And it's important to get that information out there. And even this year, um, you know, we've done a seltzer book. So, (laughs) and, and the other thing is also is one of the parts of the Brewers Association is the American Home Brewers Association. And, uh, that's pretty awesome. That's we really do cool. homebrew. Yeah, we do homebrew con as well, uh, which, you know, all of these things last year ended up being virtual. Um, and we run competitions for homebrew beer. And that translates into the Great American Beer Fest, the Pro-Am. Uh, one of my favorite events that I used to do on the Hill in the before times was around, um, you know, Learn to Homebrew Day. Some of the AHA people would come to Washington, D.C., and we would set up an entire brew system and show them how to do a brew day from start to finish. And wow. we'd work with the local homebrew clubs. It was it was just always a really cool event. And awesome. it was it, it's a fun way to get to educate people about that aspect of the industry, yeah. though it's definitely in Washington, D.C. It's always fun to meet the people who do homebrew um, <laughs> in, you know, our, homebrew in the basement, right <laughs> in our tiny one bedroom apartments. But we one of the components of that was then in December when we would have our annual event, we had a homebrew competition for Hill staffers. Wow. Um, so different offices and or different people in offices would enter their beer. Um, one year we had a Capitol Police officer win. If you work on the Hill, you are allowed to enter. You don't have to work in a congressional office. Um, that is so cool. And it just, it's really fun. And we have this great trophy, which um, this was the first year we didn't get to do it. So I'm a little bummed, but that's one thing that I hope to bring back because when you talk about the passion of the industry, I mean, it's the people who work in the industry, but it's definitely also the people who drink beer. Yeah, uh, that's so. Oh, that's so cool. It's just there's so many uh, different amazing resources being part of the Brewers Association. And then what do what are the requirements to be a member of the Brewers Association? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we've got different classes of breweries. So we've got taproom, microbrewery, brew pub. But then we also have associate brewery members. So if somebody like a global multinational brewery wants to be a member of the BA, which some are, mm-hmm. um, they do not have a vote as a voting member of the BA, but they're still allowed to be a member participating in Great American Beer Fest and things like that. We also have a class for um, breweries and planning. So if you want access to BA's resources and you're you started you want to start a brewery, you can be a brewery in planning. Then we've got a retail wow. class. Yeah. Um, we have a retail class as well, and uh, that that falls into the associate class also. So a lot of different people are able to be members of the association, which is fantastic. But the other things that we do, and this has started in my time there, is the independent seal which is something that is done specifically for our brewery members. We wanted there to be a way for when 
all consumers are out, uh, whether it's buying a beer on draft or at a brewery or in a grocery store or convenience store looking at beer, and they want to buy something that's made by an independent brewery, whether you're a Brewers Association member or not, if you fit into the classifications of an independent brewer, you are allowed to put that seal on your market, on your marketing, on your bottle, on your can. Wow. Um, we want that to be something that represents all brewers. And then that's translated into some other neat things too. Um, you know, independent beer run day, the day before the 4th of July, um, where we encourage people to go out, go to their breweries, go to their local retailers and buy beer from independent breweries. And then small brewery Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is another way that works. And that's done specifically specifically because we think that promoting the product that our members make is really important because we think they make something fantastic. Um, Yeah. And with GABF this year, there was a similar component to it. Obviously we did not have an in-person GABF, but what we really tried to do was get people to their local breweries safely, of course, um, safely and socially distanced. So representing breweries is is what we do. That's awesome. I think it's so great because one thing that what made me bring up the topic is because you mentioned like a lot of these people right now with PPP and the way that they're like navigating and trying to survive right now, they feel so alone. And I feel like the Brewers Association does such a good job of making these breweries not feel like they're on an island and Mm -hmm. making them feel like they have a community to go to. There's so many resources just on the website alone um, that I mean that they can have access to to help them. Um, so I think that's really cool for breweries to have, especially right now, but just all the time to be able to help each other. I do feel yeah. like with the Brewers Association and specifically with the craft beer industry, I feel like um, this sense of it's not possible to be competitive because everybody wants you to win. It's just, you know, like there, even here in Georgia, you know, like at the beginning of the pandemic, there was one of a, a really big brewery that's been around here for a while. Um, and this newer brewery that was just down the road, the newer brewery, they didn't have the ability to have a canning line and they only had a tap room and they were brand new. Like they had opened up December last year. Well, the bigger brewery said, come on, bring your beer down. We'll can it for you. And yep. it's just, it's, it's that sort of, of industry, like camaraderie that is just really amazing with the craft beer industry. And I think it's, it's just really beautiful to see. Yeah, it, it is definitely. And I know they've always said, you know, the rising tide floats all boats. And of course there's always going to be competition, but on our end, the way that we see that is how can we help more, more people get their product to more people or more breweries, get their product to more people. Right. I mean, there is still a lot of people out there who haven't gotten to enjoy or try beer made by, you know, craft breweries yet. Crazy. Y'all got to get out there, get out in the world, grow up. Like (laughs) I am convinced that there is a lot more market share out there. um, (laughs) And that, that is, that is what we should be going for. So (laughs) I completely agree. And um, so, okay. So you're in Washington and we've got, of course, a new president and vice president. Um, (laughs) What sort of beer do you think Joe Biden would like? I mean, that 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 man is Delaware through and through. I guarantee you that he is drinking a dogfish. <laughs> dogfish something. If I could see him drinking Sequench. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of great breweries in Delaware. Um, and that is one of them. I think Crooked Hammock down in Rehoboth. Oh, yeah. I could, I, yeah. I mean, he is... 
very staunchly Delaware. Oh. So I say Joe Biden is drinking a Delaware beer for sure. That's it. I, I, yeah, I'm going to reach out and see if he'll officially approve that message. I probably <laughs> won't ever hear from him, but it's okay. And then Kamala, oh my gosh, I bet she's like, I just picture her drinking some sort of like tequila barrel aged stout, like just something like kick ass and amazing. <laughs> something fantastic. Well, you know, you talk about the fun stuff that, that, um, our breweries are able to do, and one of the local breweries in DC worked with someone to relabel their beers for the inauguration, and it was yes. um, it was a beer for it was like a Madam Vice President, and uh, I don't remember what the Biden one was, and so they cool. did a few running they did a few runnings of them, and they were selling out quickly. But yeah, I could definitely, I mean. She's from California, so I could definitely see her drinking like a good Russian River Ooh, like, type like beer. Pliny the Elder, classic. She would love, mm-hmm. or like a West Coast. I mean, that's pretty obvious. West Coast style, something yeah. like something or like amazing. some maybe like something like Faction Brewing. Ooh. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're pretty familiar <laughs> with the California breweries too. I. I eat well before I started in this job, a significant portion of my work and personal travel involved going to breweries. So that's, awesome. that's something that is something I miss a lot. <laughs> that's really cool. And then what are some, um, cause I know you traveled abroad a lot. What are some things that you noticed abroad with different bre- uh, beer industries and different breweries out there that you have either tried to, or would like to bring over to the States? I think in the States, we are doing such a good job, definitely, if not before, but now, too, of starting to emulate some of those other styles and creating our own styles as well. Uh, But there is something fantastic about being able to go to Belgium um, and, you know, have Belgian beers there. And, um, (laughs) you know, my first time in Prague was amazing, uh, but that was many years ago. And I... I don't know. It's just, I do feel spoiled being in the U S because we have so many choices and, um, my hope is that we'll continue to have those choices and that people will continue to do what they can to really hone their skills and make those the best. Um, but yeah, it's great. I love it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. You just like your background is just so impressive and just like everything that you've done. It's just, you're, it's just amazing when it works out when someone is like put in the perfect position, like to do so much good for so many people. And it's just really exciting. So I, you know, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today and talking to us about everything. I think this will be really helpful information for a ton of people. Great. I really appreciate the opportunity. So thank you. And hopefully when we all get to travel again, I can make it down to your neck of the woods because there's a lot of breweries down there I haven't been to. I know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We would have so much fun. Georgia has so many great places. Uh, My friend Travis, he runs the Atlanta beer bus. So we'll just hop on the bus and let him, let him take us around and see if we can survive the whole route. That is the way I prefer to do it. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Oh, and then before before I let you go, um, two beer questions. So what was okay. the first craft beer you tried that made you love craft beer? Ooh, so it's definitely a mix of a few. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rogue Dead Guy. <gasps> love, love I've it. only heard, have never tried. Very oh. excited. I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, Rogue Dead Guy, Trogue's Pale Ale. Um, and... I don't feel bad saying it, but Pyramid Apricot. Uh, I absolutely, uh, I made my my whole way through college 
was drinking pyramid apricot at a bar called Smoke and Joe's. Um, And it was also, they taught me a very valuable lesson once in supply and demand, which I convinced them because I was always drinking it. And I convinced the bartender one time to buy a keg of it. And he goes, Katie, I'm going to buy a keg of it. We're going to sell out of it and people are going to want it. I'm never going to be able to get another keg of it. And that's not how, you know, that's not how you should do it. (laughs) And it's exactly what happened. Um, So I, that was a valuable beer industry lesson for me, but that was, that was one of the beers that I used to um, encourage my friends to try different beers. That is really cool. I have never had that beer before. So I am, I, I, yeah, last time I had Anne from the Brewers Association on as well. And she like introduced me to like five different beers. So yeah, taking <laughs> notes, I'm still learning. Um, and then if you were uh, trapped on a deserted island with a fridge full of beer, and it was just one kind of beer. What beer would you want that to be? Bell's Two Hearted. Ooh, classic. <laughs> yeah, I love Bell's Two Hearted. There is another one, though, um, that I just recently got to try that is, for me, right up there. And it's called a Wooly Pig. And it's an <gasps> IPL. Ooh. And they're from they're from Ohio. Wait, what's an uh, IPL? Um, an, an India Pale Lager. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yum. Oh yeah. man, there's a, there's a really great lager brewery here. Arch is brewing. I'm going to have to, I, I'm going to have to get on it with them. Make sure they do an IPL. That would be great. They'd eat that up. Yeah. I'm They're sure they've so already, I'm, I'm sure it's already in the works. I'm not, I'm going to be like, y'all should, y'all should do an IPL. They'll be like, uh, it's obviously like something we're going to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny though. I've realized with all these beers, I tell you in all of my choices that it does not relate to what I would always say that my presidential cam- campaign slogan would be, which is a Berliner Weiss in every brewery. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's such a, uh, I vote for you. You've got my vote officially endorsed. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thank you for having me on. Of I do really course. appreciate it. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on. This is really exciting. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Great. That was just a really great informative episode. Thank you to Katie. Uh, Thank you to the Brewers Association for having all this information and being so open with the podcast and coming on with this information. Um, Brewersassociation.org is the website. Uh, They have so much helpful information. And, you know, whether you're a brewery, whether you are in the industry, whether you're a home brewer, um, wanting to start a brewery, you can become a member. Katie gave a lot of great information about that. And um, even if you're not a member, there's still a ton of amazing information on brewersassociation.org. So I highly recommend checking it out, looking at everybody's profiles. I like to stock all of them all the time because they have like the best jobs in the world. Um, but thank you again for coming on. Let me know. Send me an email. How are you doing this year so far? If you have any questions uh, about anything in this episode, please shoot me an email. That is caroline at bitchbeerpodcast.com. Again, it's caroline at bitchbeerpodcast.com. Thank you so much again, and cheers. Si que chi de Maria, avec une fille quatre croix, 
t'es dans le grand danger, faudra trapper de grands reproches. Femme ou grand See?